Welcome back to the Intrepid 007 podcast. Today, uh, rather than talk about James Bond or 007, as we've hinted in the past, today we're going to be discussing the Jason Bourne series, and we're going to start off with the Bourne identity. Um, this is going to be a new regular kind of series uh, over the next couple of weeks and months, and uh, a theme this year is we're going to branch out a little bit into the other areas of uh, spydom, both uh, on film and in books as well. Um, so, like I said, today we're going to start with uh, Jason Bourne and the Bourne Identity. Uh, we're going to be discussing both the original book by Robert Ludlum and the 2002 film rather than the 1988 one because the 2002 film kind of closed the gap between the end of the Brosnan era, era excuse me, and the beginning of the Matt Damon era for um, Jason Bourne. So uh, let's get right into it and let's start talking about the book. So for those of you who may not have read Robert Ludlum's uh, book, here is a brief synopsis uh, taken from Wikipedia. The preface of the novel consists of two real-life newspaper articles from 1975 about terrorist Illich Ramirez Sanchez, known as Carlos the Jackal. The story opens with gunfire on a boat in the Mediterranean Sea. One man is cast into the waves before the boat explodes and is later picked up by fishermen who find him clinging to debris. They also find he has amnesia, apparently as a result of a traumatic head injury with occasional erratic intrusions or flashbacks to the past, but is unable to make sense of them. The only definite evidence of his former life is a small film negative found embedded in his hip containing the information required to access a bank account in Zurich. When he goes to Zurich to gain access to the bank, a clerk recognizes him. From this, the man concludes that his name is Jason Charles Bourne, that he has relations with a firm called Treadstone 71 Corporation, and that his account holds 7.5 million Swiss francs, the equivalent to $5 million in the novel. Circumstantial evidence leads Bourne to suspect that he should go to Paris, so he wires most of the money there. At the bank and his hotel, men suddenly try to kill Bourne, so he quickly takes another hotel guest, Canadian government economist Marie Saint-Jacques, as a hostage in order to escape. After escaping from Bourne, Saint-Jacques reports his whereabouts to the men she thinks are police, but they turn out to be Bourne's pursuers and professional killers who try to rape and kill her. When Bourne rescues her at the risk of his own life, Saint-Jacques decides to help him. They head to Paris to find clues about Bourne's past. Once in Paris, Bourne learns that his attacker's leader may be Carlos, who is described as the most dangerous terrorist of his time, responsible for numerous killings in many countries as well and well-connected in the highest government circles. For reasons only partly comprehensible to himself, Bourne develops a compulsion to hunt Carlos. As the story develops, Bourne follows clues that bring him closer to Carlos, leading him to places such as designer clothing store used as relay for Carlos. Though Bourne twice briefly sees Carlos, he does not manage to catch or kill him. To his distress, Bourne also finds mounting evidence that he himself is a rival assassin called Kane. Meanwhile, he and Saint-Jacques are falling in love. It turns out that Kane is an alias that has been assumed by Bourne, whose real name is not even Bourne, to hunt down Carlos. Kane took credit for kills as a way of challenging Carlos as part of a top-secret American plot. The plot is called Treadstone 71, and the truth 
known only to eight men selected by covert agencies of the U.S. government. Everyone else assumes Kane to be a real person. Due to Bourne's six-month silence while he was recuperating, and the unauthorized diversion of millions of dollars from the Zurich account, the Treadstone men start to believe that Bourne has become a traitor. They are entirely convinced of his guilt when Carlos has two of his operatives storm the building in which Treadstone is based and kill those inside, and then frames Bourne for the murders. The man, now responsible for Treadstone, attempts to lure Bond into a meeting outside of Paris to kill him. Bourne escapes the trap, but does not succeed in proving his innocence. In Paris, Bourne has managed to convince a French general named Villiers to help him. Bourne realizes that Villiers' wife is a mole for Carlos. When the general hears about this, he finally kills his wife, and Bourne takes the blame in order to bait Carlos into following him to the United States. Only after Bourne has left Du Saint-Jacques and Villiers manage to convince Treadstone members that Bourne is innocent and is continuing to hunt Carlos. In New York, Bourne is confronted by Carlos. They would wound each other, but Carlos is on the verge of killing Bourne. Some of the remaining Treadstone members arrive at the scene to force, uh, sorry, and force Carlos to retreat. The epilogue sees Saint-Jacques being told about Bourne's past, most of which has been revealed in fragments already. He had been an American Foreign Service officer stationed in Asia during the Vietnam War. When his wife and two children were killed, he joined a paramilitary special forces unit in Vietnam. During one mission, he discovered and executed the double agent Jason Bourne. He took the name years later and was recruited to Treadstone. At the novel's end, it is revealed that Bourne has recovered from the encounter with Carlos and probably lives together with St. Jacques. He remains the only one to have ever seen the face of Carlos and may be able to recognize him as a public figure, but is unable to do so due to his erratic memory. As a consequence, he is protected day and night by armed watchmen in the hope that he will one day recover enough to identify Carlos. The plot closes with him remembering his first name. So, well, let's discuss this book. The Born Identity is the first book in a trilogy written by Robert Ludlum. Uh, it is the basis of the 1988 TV movie of the same name, uh, and it serves as the inspiration, let's say, for the Jason Bourne series of movies starring uh, Matt Damon. There are similarities and there are differences, um, but there are mostly differences. And the biggest difference is that the novel includes the um, villain Carlos the Jackal, who is an important part of the trilogy of books by Robert Ludlum. Carlos the Jackal being a terrorist, an assassin, uh, who Treadstone is hunting down. Uh, Treadstone basically creates the persona of Jason Bourne as a rival to Carlos the Jackal, taking credit for kills to kind of rival and to um, get Carlos jealous or get Carlos on, on Bourne's tail, which, of course, to a certain extent works because Carlos the Jackal is after bon uh, Bourne for most of this book. Um, the similarities kind of go from the movie and the book up until Switzerland. We know in the movie, well, we'll get to that later. In the book, uh, he gets the money out of the Swiss bank account. He um, is attacked at the hotel. He grabs Marie Saint-Jacques, who is a Canadian economist and not a foreign national at the embassy. And they escape together. Uh, they fall in love, much like in the movie. We'll get to that. Um, but the major difference is that Carlos is tracking him down the entire time. Um, 
Treadstone believes that Bourne has gone rogue and they're also trying to get to him, uh, which they are somewhat unsuccessful in, in doing that uh, because Carlos is intervening at the same time. So this book kind of uh, goes on and on to show how sophisticated Carlos is because he has this whole system of getting in contact with his people and his assassins uh, through various means. Basically, um, Bourne doesn't know what's happening to him, doesn't know why he did what he did, and he's left kind of trying to piece this all back together while trying to run for his life against two different threats. One, formerly friendly, and the other, a terrorist madman trying to kill him. I enjoyed this book. I find it was very um, well-detailed. It's long, especially if you're a fan of Fleming. This is a long book. Um, it comes in at just over almost 600 pages so it is it's a brick it's it definitely is a brick compared to the modest 150 or so pages that Fleming would write um this spends more time on describing the military operations and uh, more of what Treadstone is kind of in the same way as Tom Clancy does in a lot of his books so there's a lot more military-esque background than there is actual action um and there's a lot of twists and turns and a lot of um things that we're trying to figure out along the way. Uh, the whole thing with Villiers, um, who is the uh, French general, and his wife being an operative of Carlos, um, the uh, Paris uh, haute couture shop that's being used as kind of a, um, a switchboard to, to relay information. This is all very interesting, and this is all stuff that uh, a Bond book wouldn't necessarily go into. Whereas... Bourne is, in the novels at least, is a former CIA operative trying to get his life back together. Bond is the blunt instrument. So in this case, um, the people after Bond from Treadstone, or after Bourne, I should say, from Treadstone, would most likely be people like James Bond. Whereas Bourne is fighting for his life. He doesn't want to go back to his old life that he doesn't understand because he doesn't remember. And then when he does remember, he kind of wants to be off on his own, um, which is... A big difference from the film, uh, as we'll see in just a moment. But to kind of cap off what's going on with the book and how I enjoy the book, Carlos is the villain who's always in the background, never really in the foreground. We see glimpses of him, but he's not one of these overbearing villain types. He's not Blofeld. He's not the Joker. He's kind of more like the Kingpin, if we wanted to change, uh, compare it to a comic book villain. Whereas Kingpin has his fingers in all kinds of different um, operations, he's not necessarily always the main villain. He is in some situations, but he's mostly kind of behind the scenes pushing things forward. Well, kind of like Carlos, um, except for Carlos is a killing machine. We'll see how Carlos develops in the next books because his role becomes more and more important as we go along. He's introduced in this book very briefly as this kind of shadowy figure, and he kind of takes on a whole different perspective later on we kind of enjoy him more and we kind of understand him more so now it's time after we've now briefly taken the time to look at the plot of the book and kind of discuss the major differences um for for carlos and for the born identity let's now have a look at the film so here's the plot synopsis of 2002's born identity starring matt damon in the mediterranean sea Italian fishermen rescue an unconscious American floating adrift with two gunshot wounds in his back. 
they tend to his wounds, and when the man wakes, they find he suffers from dissociative amnesia. He has no memory of his own identity, but he retains his speech and finds himself capable of advanced combat skills and fluency in several languages. The skipper finds a tiny laser projector under the man's hip that, when activated, gives the number of a safe deposit box in Zurich. Upon landing in Imperia, Italy, the American goes to the Bank of Switzerland to investigate the deposit box. He finds it contains a large sum of money in various currencies, numerous passports and identity cards with his picture on all of them, and a handgun. The man takes everything but the gun, leaves, opting to use the name on the American passport, Jason Bourne. After Bourne's departure, a bank employee contacts Operation Treadstone, a CIA black ops program. Treadstone's head, Alexander Conklin, issues alerts to local police to capture Bourne and activates three agents to kill him, Castle, Mannheim, and the Professor. Meanwhile, CIA Deputy Director Ward Abbott contacts Conklin about a failed assassination attempt against exiled African dictator Nkwanda Wambosi. Conklin promises Abbott that he will deal with the Treadstone agent who failed. Bourne tries to evade the Swiss police by using his U.S. passport to enter the American consulate, but he is caught by guards. He evades capture and escapes the consulate, offering a German woman, Mary Croats, $20,000 to drive him to an address in Paris listed on his French driving license. At the address, an apartment where he hits redial on the phone and reaches a hotel, he inquires about the names on his passports there, learning that a John Michael Kane had been registered but died two weeks prior in a car crash. Castell ambushes, ambushes Bourne and Marie in the apartment, but Bourne gets an upper hand. Instead of allowing himself to be interrogated, Castell throws himself out a window to his death. Marie finds wanted posters of Bourne and herself, and after agonizing, agrees to continue to help Bourne. After a chase in which Bourne evades Paris police and Marie's car, the two fugitives spend the night together in a Paris hotel. Meanwhile, Wambasi continues to obsess over an attempt on his life. Conklin, having anticipated this, planted a body in the Hoffenmine morgue, Paris, to appear as the assailant. But Wambasi is not fooled and threatens to report this and other CIA secrets to the media. The professor assassinates Wambasi on Conklin's orders. Bourne, posing as Kane, learns about Wambosi's yacht, and that the assailant was shot twice in the back during the escape. He realizes that he was the assailant. He and Marie take refuge at the French countryside home of her old friend Eamon and his children. Under pressure from Abbott to tie it off Wambosi matter entirely, Conklin traces Bourne's location and sends a professor there, but Bourne shoots him twice with Eamon's shotgun, mortally wounding him. The professor reels, reveals their shared connection to Treadstone before dying. Bourne sends Marie, Eamon, and Eamon's children away for their protection, and then contacts Conklin via the professor's phone. Conklin agrees to meet Bourne alone in Paris. From a rooftop nearby, the arranged location Bond sees Conklin has not come alone, so he abandons the meeting, but uses the opportunity to place a tracking device on Conklin's car, leading Bourne to Treadstone's safe house in Paris. Bourne breaks in and holds Conklin and logistics technician Nicolette Nicky Parsons at gunpoint. Bourne and Conklin's conversation at the safe house clears much of the mystery. Bourne asks, who am I? To which Conklin replies, you're U.S. government property. You're a malfunctioning 300 mi three, excuse me, $30 million weapon. You are a total goddamn catastrophe. When Conklin begins pressing him to remember his past, Bourne recalls his attempt to assassinate Wambosi through successive flashbacks. As Kane, and working under orders from Treadstone, 
Fawn infiltrated Wombosi's yacht, but could not bring himself to kill Wombosi while Wombosi's children were present, and instead fled, being shot during his escape. Bourne announces he is resigning from Treadstone and is not to be followed. As agents descend on the safe house, Bourne fights his way, fr fights his way free. When Conklin leaves the safe house, he encounters Mannheim, who kills him under Abbott's orders. Abbott then shuts down Treadstone. Abbott reports to an oversight committee that Treadstone is all but decommissioned before discussions turn to a new project called, codenamed, Blackbriar. In the final scene, Bourne finds Marie renting out scooters to tourists in Mykonos, and the two reunite. So this is almost an ensemble cast uh, for this movie. We have uh, Matt Damon playing the role of Jason Bourne. Uh, Franca Patente has playing Marie Croats. You might know her from uh, Run, Lola, Run. Uh, great independent movie from a couple of years ago. Julia Stiles as Nikki Parsons. Chris Cooper as Alexander Conklin. Brian Cox as Ward Abbott. Clive Owen as The Professor. And uh, Abiwali Akunoye. I'm going to have a bit of trouble with the rest of his last name. Abadje, um, who played Wombosi. Now, you're going to see that there are several similarities and several differences between the novel uh, and the movie. The movie and the biggest part of the difference in the series of films from the books is the absence of Carlos the Jackal, which I find to be the most intriguing uh, part. Now, what they've done with the movie is they've kind of modernized it and simplified the storyline um, to kind of streamline some of the aspects that are going on in the book to make it more presentable for film. And I commend them for that because the film is absolutely wonderful. It is one of my favorite Bourne films. Um, the other ones are, are on par as well, but in this one in particular, I, I really enjoyed it from the get-go. And I didn't realize there was that much difference until I read the book many years later. So if we go back to kind of the breakdown and, and to compare both of the plot synopsises, basically the, the bigger parts of the beginning are quite the same. Um, he's shot in the back, he's suffering from amnesia, uh, he's picked up by fishermen in the middle of the ocean or the, the Mediterranean, he recovers. Um, in the book, the recovery period that he goes through stretches for, for several days, whereas it seems quite a bit faster in the, in the film. He goes to the safety deposit box, uh, in Zurich. The same thing happens in, um, in in the book, he goes to the safety deposit box or he, he takes out all the money that he has there. Except for in the movie, they made it a little more visual and they gave him a safety deposit box with money, with passports and everything that kind of helps jog his memory. With this, though, there is, you know, the similarities of, well, Conklin is there in the books and in the movies. Conklin is actually a big part of the books, but we'll get to that, that in later books. But Conklin, um, his aspects in the movie are kind of the same as they are in the book. He's trying to get back after Bond because he thinks that Bond uh, purposely botched uh, an assassination. Um, in this case, in the movie, it's the assassination of Wambazi. Um, they're trying to kind of backtrack on that, and um, they're, they're trying to um, locate Bourne because now they think that Bourne is on the run, uh, which he is. And instead of kind of somewhat kidnapping a Canadian economist, a very brilliant woman. It seems that Mary Croats in this movie is a little bit down on her luck. She's having a little bit of trouble with the embassy, getting her her visa uh, approved and some passport issues, but she still agrees to drive this total stranger to Paris for $20,000. 
um, getting to Paris, getting into all those uh, fights, um, rather than have Carlos the Jackal's assassins after him, now he's got Treadstone after him because now they're trying to eliminate the threat. So it kind of modernizes the story in a sense because it, it makes it a little bit more believable without overcomplicating it with, you know, a kind of other side storyline. Um, Bourne is still created by the U.S. government to undertake certain tasks, but now he's doing it to take out um, purely just random terrorists and, and doing the CIA's will rather than uh, trying to draw out Carlos the Jackal. So we've kind of simplified that, and I mean, that's perfectly fine because Carlos the Jackal was kind of a bit of a complicated storyline to follow. Um, could they have added it to the film series at a later time? They could have, absolutely. But the absence of Carlos the Jackal in the film does work because they filled it out with enough kind of backstabbing and treachery that everything works. Because whereas Conklin in the book stays alive, we have um, this other kind of shady character ring, Blackbriar, um, who's played by uh, Brian Cox. Um, and Brian Cox is just such a wonderful actor in these kind of roles. We've seen him uh, play this kind of role time and time again. He was wonderful in X2. Um, if you're kind of an X-Men fan, he was really great in his role as William Stryker there, and he's really good in his role in, in this movie, um, and he's really good in the next movie, but we'll get to that when we get there. Clive Owen is kind of this um, this actor that we know well now. 2002, he was, he was kind of up and coming, and he plays this, this you know, assassin that has a handful of lines, but, I mean really good action sequences um, in this movie. I mean, it, it seems like it's just one huge stunt, uh, this whole movie. Uh, the action is just nonstop, um, but not unlike Quantum of Solace, whereas Quantum of Solace has had a lot of action. You kind of have this complicated storyline. They've kind of simplified the storyline here for one of those spy thrillers where we understand what's going on. We, we, we can grasp exactly what's going on, and the twists and turns aren't so overbearing that we're getting lost in it um so the whole you add the nikki parsons thing that she's plays in a role later on it's it's setting up everything for the next movie which is going to be very different from the next book that'll be our next chapter uh, and our next episode of uh, the kind of review of the born series where we'll talk about the born supremacy before getting to the born ultimatum so i hope you kind of enjoyed this little comparison and look at the born identity um and stay tuned to the next one thank you very much take care and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the intrepid 007 podcast please if you're not already doing so follow us on instagram at 007 underscore intrepid I'm also on WordPress. You can see my blog there at intrepid007.wordpress.com. Of course, you're listening to this podcast. You're obviously listening to us either on SoundCloud or via iTunes or Spotify. Tune in next time. The Intrepid 007 podcast will return. <laughs>